A few weeks ago, I met a gentleman who, when he was young, wanted to become a Catholic priest. The old priest asked him one question, do you like girls? And he said, uh, yeah. And the old priest said, well, you'll never become a priest. Well, the Roman Catholic Church made that decision, one of the worst decisions they ever made, to prohibit their clergy from being married. The Word of God clearly teaches that forbidding of marriage is a doctrine of demons. In fact, the person that they considered the Pope, the first Pope, was actually a married man. But do you know that there was one prophet of God that was forbidden to marry? And of course, you can guess who it was. The prophet Jeremiah. We read in the 16th chapter of his prophecy, The word of the Lord also came to me, saying, You shall not take a wife, nor shall you have sons or daughters in this place. Now, Jeremiah was a lonely young man who had many enemies but few friends. Certainly it would have been nice, I suppose, from our perspective for him to have had a wife and a family. But God's word was clear, you shall not take a wife. Not only that, Jeremiah was forbidden to go to funerals or to go to weddings. He was not to go into houses of mourning or house of, houses of feasting. Well, why did God make such a rule for his prophet? Well, his life was to be an object lesson for the Israelites. What Jeremiah was to go through without having wife, family, funerals, or weddings, was going to be true for the whole nation. And so we read that um, God said with regard to funerals, they shall not be lamented nor shall they be buried, but they shall be like refuse on the face of the earth like garbage to be consumed by birds and beasts. Again, God said, I will cause to cease from this place before your eyes, and in your days the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. So no family life for Jeremiah, no weddings, no funerals, and that was to be the future of the people. No burials, no. They'd be like refuse. No weddings, because God would take away the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness. And if the people would ask why, then God gave Jeremiah the answer. Because your fathers have forsaken me, says the Lord, they have walked after other gods and have served them and worshipped them and have forsaken me and not kept my law. 
and you have done worse than your fathers. For behold, each one follows the dictates of his own evil heart, so that no one listens to me. Now, that's the way of the world, isn't it? Not to listen to, to the word of God. But Jesus, our Lord, has taught us that that's the one thing needful, to sit at his feet and listen to his teaching. So what could be worse than not listening to his word? That word is the power unto salvation. It is the word that, that is the bread of life, the waters of life. The letter of James says that the word is able to save our souls. So a terrible judgment on the people because they did not listen to the word of God. But now, think of the grace and mercy of the Lord. Even at this time, in the history of God's people, God gave Jeremiah a word of hope with regard to the future. We read in verses 14 and 15 of chapter 16, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that it shall no more be said the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. But the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where he had driven them. For I will bring them back into their land which I gave to their fathers. So during most of the history of the Old Testament, the people could look back and think of their God as the living God, the living God, because of what he had done in their past. He had delivered the children of Israel from their slavery in Egypt through ten mighty plagues, and then when they were up against the Red, uh, the Red Sea, he heaped up the waters on both sides, and they went across on dry land, and their enemies were drowned. The Lord lives. And now, Jeremiah has said that that saying won't be told anymore about the Lord lives who did that because he's going to do something even more wonderful in their future. The Lord lives, they're going to say now, the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north. So they're going to be driven into uh, captivity, they're going to be spread all over the world. But the Lord God is going to bring them back. And then they will have an even greater proof that the Lord is a living God. They'll be scattered in north, south, east, and west. God will rescue them from all these lands and bring them back to their own land. The Lord God is a living God. And now we think of ourselves, we're living in this New Testament, does the Lord live? Well, yes, he is the living God because just think of what he has done in uh, keeping with his prophecies. He sent his own son to be our Savior, to be our Lord. Us who are sinners who deserve eternal punishment, God has saved by putting his son there on the cross and punishing him for our sins. 
Oh, what a terrible thing. What a terrible judgment from God on sin. Is that the end of it? No. On the third day, the crucified Son of God rose from the dead. He lives. So just as the Lord lives, who delivered his people from slavery in Egypt, just as the Lord lives, who brought back his scattered people from all over the world and brought them back, so he lives. He rose from the dead, and now this living Lord, risen Christ, is gathering together his people to gather, gather together his people into one church, redeemed sinners. He lives, and because he lives, we also shall live. Uh, Lutheran Service Book 479, stanzas 2 and 3. And if you are Spanish, sing it in Spanish. Or if you know Spanish, sing it in Spanish. the 